We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into Jack Ramsey's Danny Morang, Brandon Sprague here with a mailbag edition Jacked Ramsey's. It's been a little while. Uh, I've been sick as a dog. The place has been on the road. Uh, everything kind of coming together to make this a bad time to try to record. Uh, but we are back. We've got a mailbag. We've got about uh, 20 plus questions in here. Uh, the Trailblazers are currently 11 and 9, finished up their four game road trip, 1 and 3, unfortunately, uh, not able to secure the 500 trip. And 11 and 9 doesn't sound nearly as good as 12 and 8. But without further ado, my co host, Mr. Brandon Sprague. Brandon, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing good, Daniel. It's good to have you back on. I know you, uh, you did an after dark Ramsey's. We've had some watch party stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it's nice to jump back in because you threw out some, hey, we're doing a mailbag. Any questions? And, uh, <laughs> Wow. Uh, yeah, a little bit. Uh, I guess a great start is great, and then you lose a few games, and it's like, trade everybody. Mm. Who doesn't love a little uh, trade, McGinn? Uh I, I would be uh, – I mean, it wouldn't be me. I, I have I, a serious question. Can I start this out? I, I, I got a question I want to ask you. Okay. This is a, this is a Danny Meringue mailbag question from mm. me. Do people that – because you and I do this sometimes. I think NBA fans do this. We play GM in our heads. We play oh, yeah. GM on – podcast shows whatever but do fans when they send in and say we need to trade x and y mm-hmm. 20 games into it do they realize that they would be awful general managers or do you think it's like <laughs> they they think this is totally normal because i'm kind of curious where you're at on that i think it's one thing to talk about doing it i think there's discussions being had throughout a season by executives understanding where guys value guys yeah, but you there's a reason why you don't see trades being done all that often early in the league in a year because everybody to an extent believes that they can be whatever version of competitive means for their franchise. Even in a tanking year, you're not going to flat out say you're tanking because you don't want to do that to your fan base. Mm-hmm. And so 25 games is probably the soonest that I would entertain making a move. How early was Harden traded last year? Uh, was he traded in December? I want to say it was. It felt like it was December. What did you get? Uh, and by the way. So he was traded to the Nets. 
in January. Okay, and then he was traded from the Nets to Philly in March? Trade deadline? Dude, this was going into the next season. It was February 10th. Okay, so later than I thought. Yeah. But even then... Again, yeah. I, I was just trying to think of like what what that ultimately ended up looking like in the process of like I knew that the the first trade was earlier, um, but that felt sooner, right? Because of how big it was. Yeah. So you put yourself in a spot where it's like, eh, you know, it's not that doesn't seem like it's that late or that early. It felt like it's kind of right on time, but it was felt like it was also forced at the same time. So you, right. you end up in this weird spot of like, oh, no, it definitely got done earlier. It, it didn't. It, but it, mm-hmm. it has that feeling because of so much pressure it was on the trade. When we had Joe on, Joe Cronin, um, we asked him, you know, what do you kind of evaluate? How do you see this? And he said, ultimately, I want to have a month. And he said, if I was, you know, better at my job, I, I would take two. But I also think that that, that highlighted not only the willingness to make moves, but Joe knowing full well that this team wasn't ready. That it's not done. It's not final. Not final like the Oregon State Beavers beating the Oregon Ducks in the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> Less than five minutes in, here we go. All right. <laughs> Not final, like the Trojans going to the college football playoff. Oh, man. Just need to beat Utah, who's banged up right now. Um, look, Joe Cronin's not going to take a chainsaw to the situation right now. No. Okay, He's going he's gonna to let this go. He, It's the one thing I appreciate about him a lot was when he came on with us and we talked and he said, we're not a complete team. You know, I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, but it's like I'm not expecting us to be 12-2. and two. They got off to a great start. They absolutely did. And they got that got in the capital. If you didn't think though, and this is where I'm kind of pushing back here, mm-hmm. I didn't see what did they lose four games in a row? Was it four? Yeah. I didn't think they'd lose four in a row. But if you didn't think that they were going to come back down to earth a little bit and lose sure. a few of those games. I mean, you mentioned this in the moment. The Laker game was one. Phoenix was one. They had a few toss-up games that just went their way. And the odds in the NBA tell you every time that those are going to come back and bite you. And so, yeah, they got worked in a couple of those games. But, like, I guess I'm just a little surprised. This team is fun. This team is energetic. They've got multiple great dudes on this squad to root for. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, not perfect. They're short in different areas roster-wise. But I didn't think they'd be a top-four team in the West. I didn't think they'd be a top-three team in the West. I, I guess I'm just a little puzzled why people so quickly with some losses, it just goes such doom and gloom so fast. Like, I want to see him win games too, guys. I do. But enjoy when you get the beginning and deal with losing a few games. This team is still two games above 500. Yeah. They lost to a team today, by the way, that has Ben Simmons, Kyrie, Kyrie Irving, and Kevin Durant, and that team's one game below 500. Like, yeah. they're better than that team. And so... I'm taking the season for what it is, and I know that I like this team. There's just in what ways can they get better? But these people, they get so reactionary to losing some some games. I, I, I don't really get it. I don't really understand it. It's too soon to be doing that. I genuinely believe that most people, most, not most people, just fans of this franchise in general. Because I've, I've been around with a lot of fans of other 
sports franchises, they like to suffer a little bit. There's a masochistic nature to Blazers fans. Oh, I, I've said this before. It's probably the hottest take or thing I've ever said. I think Blazer fan, there's a part of Blazer fan that deep down just wants a nice, good second round team that they love more so than selling out for the douchiest team of all time to win champ. Yeah, no, and, 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 and there's like this, but there's kind of a masochistic nature to that. Of like, there is, yeah. Like, I, I don't care. I I, yep. I care about this particular thing being done this particular yep. way, and I don't care if they end up losing. But you, then you get this conflagration of like they're in this weird spot, even though they're exactly where we said they would be twenty yep. games in. Yep, it's the the route to get there was different because they well won they're a better bit twenty early. games in than I thought that they would be. My record wasn't eleven and nine. I'm, well, I'm we said around five hundred. I yeah, I'd go back and check tape. I didn't think that their start would be very good. That's no, didn't, no. Those first ten, we were like, ooh, if they can get through that, that'll be. Yeah. But you just you got to end up in this in this spot than anything else. And here's the thing: those Nets losses they they highlight a very specific deficiency with this team. It is size. Kevin Durant is seven foot tall. Ben Simmons is six foot ten. Nick Claxton is six eleven. Yeah. Yep. Royce O'Neal is six seven, mm-hmm. like that. That that is the lineup that they have out there for the majority of the game. And as the Blazers are trying to get inside and create, particularly without Damian Lillard, they struggle. And they struggled in this that the four game losing stretch because the Blazers have one player who can dribble, pass, and shoot reliably. And Anthony Simons right now. Uh, we'll talk about. I've got questions in here about injuries. We'll we'll run down the injuries. G- guys are more beat up than you realize. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I've noticed on this road trip in order to stave off the lack of ball control and the lack of, if, if anybody else has noticed, they're running way less. Yeah. It's, it's one because they're shorthanded two because they're beat up like, and they're on the road and they've had a ton of games. So one of the things they've done to slow this thing down, maintain possession, ugly it up a little bit is play a ton in the half court but play a ton in the half court in post-up possessions. Posting up Nurk, posting up Winslow, and posting up Grant. They have done a ton of it over the last two weeks. And a lot of that has to do with getting at least a decent shot from somewhere other than Anthony Simons driving and kicking. It's because they've become too predictable without having the additional guy to be able to create, even a Keon. They have put themselves in this very, very awkward spot of being very predictable. And Mm -hmm. so you've got two things going on at the same time. Your lack of size to counteract that predictability and that predictability. And that is fed into this. And we'll we'll dive into that some more. We have a ton of questions to get into here. Um, But we'll kind of – you've already kind of set this up. Uh, This is from Jeff Workman at JWKS. I might be a little bit late, but here's my question just in case. What are the chances Portland makes an early trade? Uh, for example, December 15th, uh, when most players become eligible to trade. For those that are wondering, Yusuf Nurkic is eligible to be traded January 15th. January 15th. So another month out. So yeah. Hold your horses. Um, that is why I don't think that they will make a trade. Because I think if they're going to make a trade, it will involve Yusuf Nurkic. Yeah, I, I don't really have much to add other than... Uh, 
it felt like there were breadcrumbs left that that's the deal. <laughs> I don't know how else to put that. It it just I feel like if you listened and you've kind of read and seen some quotes and some thoughts and feelings on certain players um, or what is like, not being said or what is not being said, whatever you want to say, like it just kind of feels like that's he's the odd man out. No. And we'll see. We'll, we'll see what happens. But to Jeff's question about December, I wouldn't imagine so just because of what you mentioned. It feels like it's kind of the Yusuf Nurkic first and we see what we get for that and no. go from there. And so that's not till at least January. They love Josh Hart. I don't think they love Yusuf Nurkic long term. So if there's a way to pocket Josh Hart while moving on from Yusuf Nurkic, you've seen a lot of movement and, and not necessarily movement. You've seen a lot of Chauncey Billups willing to play without Yusuf Nurkic. Mm-hmm. You didn't see it as much against the Nets because they're freaking huge. <laughs> And there's just not much you can do about it. They've they've gone to Eubanks a ton, a lot more than I thought they would ever go to him. Yeah, they haven't. What's really interesting is remember um, Joe and Chauncey both kept the the same thing, the same line at least, in that we'd see Jeremy Grant at the five a little bit. Haven't seen it. They haven't. They've gone to it for like five minutes. Yeah, but we haven't seen really any of that. Um, and for anybody like wondering out there, as far as Josh and Nurkers gonna go, like I, I don't have any inside information on that. I just kind of reading the tea leaves. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're spitballing here. Yeah. Um, but you can see ultimately who ends up kind of mattering more throughout. Like Nurk had a, a good game today. I thought against the Nets, goodish. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. he, he struggled finishing in the interior, which kind of usual. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um, Made some boneheaded mistakes, but he also controlled the glass and was relatively efficient uh, with some opportunities when he when he was aggressive. But that's kind of like, okay, cool. Hart's shooting has cratered over the last yes, two it weeks. Has. Yep. Uh, his rebounding and his effort and his defense have all been there. His shooting is non-existent. Uh, even his interior finishing has been problematic. Um. They aren't getting out if in, in transition. They aren't getting out and doing the things that they did early in the season. Again, I think a lot of that has to do with the health of the team and how many games they have played. Um, it's going to be a test until Lillard comes back or until they can get GP2 back into it, which I think I probably transitioned here. I got some version of this from like five different people, so I'm going to take this one from Daniel. Uh, at Priest Lake Dan, how does GP2's recovery compare to Damon Nasir's, especially in the relation to the severity of the injury? This is very specific, and I can't speak to that because I don't, without talking to the doctor, I don't know. I will tell you that this is Gary Payton II's third core surgery. Third, okay? Mm-hmm. From those that I have talked to and other people that I know of who had this surgery, they have all said part of the problem is pushing through it. There is a pain tolerance that you need to kind of get through. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Damon Nasir both said the same thing. Mm-hmm. I think that's what we're dealing with with Gary. Is that that ramp up is there, but he's kind of struggling, powering through it. And I'm not calling him weak or anything like that. Like it's just, it's a core injury. It's a problem. <laughs> like if the core don't work, nothing works. So well, I understand yeah. why they're taking their time with it. 
<laughs> I, I just, um, you know, the other part of this too, not that this answer, I think you just answered that question specifically, not that you even have all that much detail on what Gary's specific situation is. But I, I think the hard part for me, like today, I'm, I'm, I didn't get to see all of the Nets game. I saw most of it. I ended up going mm-hmm. to my nephew's birthday. I was watching at this bowling alley. <laughs> and a uh, great place to watch a Blazer game. Underrated. Throw a strike, look up, watch Yusuf Nurkic miss a layup. It's fun. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, uh, I can throw a ball 60 feet, yeah. hit a bunch of pins. You can't throw it two feet and put it in the back. Said, okay. No, but in all seriousness, though, watching this game and I'm looking up and, you know, you said something before we started, like Blazers really could have won this game. And and there's a part of me that's like, yes. And then there's a part of me that's like, eh. And the only reason I say, nah, is you highlighted it there, the important thing about the, if you've noted the way, just watching them, you don't even need second spectrum or cleaning the glass data for this. They're just playing different. It's a different style. And it's one of the reasons I, I, I personally, I didn't want to recalibrate too much with that great start is I was wondering how sustainable that style of play was with the amount of dudes they were playing. And at one point, it felt like you were playing 10, 11 guys. Well, that's shrinking now, mainly because of injury. Yes. And so I, I think the tough thing is why I'm not getting all that upset, despite wanting to see them win, is you're playing without Dame. I mean, can we? we're just overlooking that you're playing without your best player. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry. How many teams in this league can play without their number one dude for an extended period of time and tread water for very long? There's not a lot. Not a ton. So, you don't have your number one player. I don't know what to think. And then you had GP2 hasn't even been entered into the equation yet. You mentioned the core injury. I mean, that's a significant injury. You hope you can see him in December. I don't know. Maybe you will, maybe you won't. But like, arguably, your best on-ball defender, if not without a doubt, hasn't played. Hasn't played. No. So, you, I mean, those two things just by themselves. And then you mentioned people are so banged up. I mean... Jeremy has a big day today. Monster game in, in New York against the Knicks. Man, we watched him tweak his ankle. And what did you say? When, oh, hold on. Yeah, so he tweaks his ankle, and, and, and Danny goes, he tweaked the other one already. And I think, great. <laughs> our, our second all-star on the team so far this year, a dude that might get his first all-star appearance ever, is playing with two bum ankles. Yeah, they, so, they for those that weren't there for the launch party, um, Jeremy's ankle is spatted to hell. For those that don't know what spatting is, that's taped to kingdom come. So there's like no mobility in his ankle at all. And that was his left ankle. And then he rolled the shit out of his right ankle. He landed on an ankle. Like, yeah, I- and he rolled it so bad. And he, he's barely moving. He's limping around the floor trying to keep it going, knowing how shorthanded yeah. they are. And he just kept kind of, and that was the New York game when he had 42 points. Just an absolute monster of a night. 43, tied his 40, career high. Sorry, no, 44. But, he he broke his career high. I'm sorry. Oh, you're right, he did. Yeah, because he, he, he got did. the extra free throws down he the stretch. Extra, my, my that ant wouldn't take to get 40 <laughs> to points. To get 40 to get the double 80, the double 40 point scores. Uh, but my, I mean, my overall point, because it's an injury-related question, is to explain my position on this. It's not to excuse losing games. It's just to simp guys. We need to take a collective breath here. And I know Twitter is not representative of Blazer fan. I feel like I know people in my life. They're a hardcore and they're not like, oh, my God, we're in trouble. Like, yeah. What's going on? They Fire have, somebody. Think, yeah. Trade the trade, second trade, trade best player on your team. Like, I think people just need to, to woosah a little bit, man. This is they're dealing with some stuff. And so 
just see what they can go, what they can be until they get some of these dudes back. Hundred uh, percent. This from Jeff Richmond at Jeff uh, Richmond, miss, missing the missing the vowels. Uh, how long can Billups continue using a playoff style rotation, short bench, and heavy starter minutes during the regular season? As long as they're beat up. <laughs> He's playing eight right now. Like yeah. most teams play nine. Yep. You throw Dame back in the mix, that's that's nine. You throw Keon back in there, that's ten. You throw Gary back in there, that's eleven. Somebody's getting squeezed somewhere, but they just they went from having all of the guards mm-hmm. to three guards being out. Three, right? That's the German three, the American three. That's the old <laughs> Inglorious Bastards line. Um, yeah, the, the, the let leash is going to be short. Because he's trying to play guys. That, what's funny is uh, everybody plays young guys until it becomes winning time. Yep. You notice that leash on Shaden's a lot shorter last couple weeks. Well, and honestly, date it back. It's five games now. He is he's in a struggle, man. Yep. He's he's going through a rookie slump right now. He can't. He's his confidence is. I don't think his confidence is waning, but his confidence when he's out there, if he misses his first shot, seems it's not to as high. In his head. Yeah. 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 And and I think Chauncey identified this. I mean. What he played today? How many minutes did he end up playing in today's game? So he got 15 minutes. He's still getting the minutes, but his last five games are just when they lost that Brooklyn game. It was this kind of breakout 20 point game, and since then it's one of nine, two of eight, zero of two, two of three against the Knicks, but five points, and today zero of three. So I mean, he's dealing with a rookie that he wants to give high minutes to, and he's still giving him the minutes. But rookies are going to go through this, and so what Shaden's going through isn't a, isn't unique. It's just. It's unfortunate because how banged up they are and how much they need him to play. Yeah, and that's the thing is it doesn't seem like a lot, but getting 10-plus points a game from your rookie quasi-sixth man and then not getting those, that's a big swing, man. Huge. They don't have, because they're already so depleted, they don't have somebody who can go out there and go get that for you. That's why you're seeing Jeremy Grant average 30 a game. Mm-hmm. That's why you've seen Ant average thirty a game is because they needed they they needed to make up for Dame's thirty, and now Shaden's ten, because Nasir hasn't been able to step into that void. Watford hasn't is, is more of a creator than a finisher. Eubanks has kind of up and down. Uh, Andrew says any concerns of bench scoring or lack thereof? Yes, absolutely. Absol- how would how yes. would there not be? I mean, we're all seeing the same thing right now, and this is part of the reason why I always wanted Josh Hart to come off the bench. Yeah, is to kind of get that second unit running. What you you were hoping to have with that second unit is you have that offensive punch with either Dame or Ant, and that the secondary creation would come from transition. But because they're shorthanded and the primary creators here being Anthony Simons and Justice Winslow have mm-hmm. so much more offensive burden now that they kind of have to dial things back and they can't get out and run as much when you're playing every other night. Yeah, and that's go look at the Blazers' schedule. They have played every other night for two weeks. They are beat up. Ants, you know what, screw it. Somebody, somebody asked about just get a general health status. Here's where I know that they stand right now. Yeah. Dame's calf is jacked. He's he's yeah. got he's had two pulls in two different spots. Ant has feet issues right now. Jeremy has undiagnosed or undisclosed ankle issues. Uh Josh Hart has both ankle issues. Eubanks is playing with a bad back. Yeah. Um, somebody's got a bad. Somebody else has a bad back too. I saw him icing in the freaking locker room. Um, GP two is dealing with his core. Nasir is still <laughs> fighting through that. Shaden has a broken finger. 
And Shaden's playing with a, a splint on his pinky. Hell, that could be like what part of what's screwing with him. Then again, he sure. scored 20 when he had the splint on. Right. But like every single rotation player is play uh Keon's recovering from the hit pointer. Mm-hmm. Um Trendon had the hit pointer that kept him for three weeks, basically. Am I forgetting anybody? Nurk's got something. I know he's is got justice, something. Does Justice have anything? Justice has got an ankle, and he has been and he was yeah. so bleeping sick. So when he missed game for non-COVID, yeah. it was the game before they went out on the road. I walked by him in the tunnel. and was like, hey, what's up? And he was like, ugh. He, was, he had like three layers of clothes on. Uh, a hoodie, a hat, and then like something else over the top of it. Like trying to like sweat it out, sweat it out, like trying yeah. to get it going, and he just yeah. looked like death. Yeah, he, I mean, he, I mean, respiratory. Um, he went out and got in a workout. I, I, don't, I don't know if the Blazers have a sauna at the Moda Center, but I think they do because what Justice came out looking like at, before a game, it was the last one that he didn't go. He was soaked to the bone, like trying to again sweat it out, get ready to go, maybe go that game. Mm-hmm. And it was just, he was, he looked like shit. Like yeah. you, could, you could just tell it. It was like, you're going to go play 30 minutes like this, huh, dog? Ooh, good Lord. That's why he gave you that sound. <laughs> I know he did. He just kind of looked at me like, I don't got it, man. And I was like, cool. So Ooh. like you're, you're, you're labeling all the injuries. That's you're making me feel even better. And Oh, by the way, I, I'm not, I'm not suggesting anything with this. I just think it has to, it has to be pointed out now. Your your franchise guys now suffered a couple injuries. I mean, two he's different not even, calf injuries. Two different calf injuries. I I'm starting to get a little worried. I, I am. My, I know. my eyebrows are up. I mean, as soon I as just they said soleus. That's when I went oh, shit. Because the first one, it was just grade one stuff happens. A return to play. Sure. Soleus. That's when you start talking about because remember last year I was dealing with the the partially torn Achilles and part of the problem was is the strain that the soleus was putting on my Achilles because it was it was the kinetic chain was breaking down and the pulling and uh, long story short that's when you start kind of raising an eyebrow like mm, let's watch mm-hmm. this one yeah and yep. I from the horse's mouth told me he felt a hundred percent fine no lingering effects. Dame, how are you feeling? Absolutely fine. Like, is there any... Like, Dame and I aren't besties, but, like, there was no... There's a little something there. There was, there was none of that. It was... No, I'm good. Like, I feel good. There's no no limp, no lingering, no nothing. Like... Yeah. He said he was going to... Good to go. And now that that, that is... This injury has appeared in a different spot. That makes me go, ah, crap. Because now, realistically, I would imagine they shut him down for a minimum of three weeks to make sure it's no, like, do an MRI to check and make sure yeah. it's gone kind of a deal. So you your star players out maybe an extended games. period of time here. 15 games, brutal. I mean, how many games? That, He's missed I, nine. Okay, so, yeah. I mean, look look at that. Basically, nine, basically missing another two weeks. Yeah. And while this is going on, you're also dealing with your secondary ball handler playmaker, got a foot issue. Mm-hmm. You've got your four who's having a career year. Both his ankles ankle are issues. I mean, it's just rolled to hell. It, it feels like when it rains, it pours. And right now it's pouring on Portland. Yeah. And they're still in games. Yeah, sure. They're, they're competitive as hell. And I think that's more about spirit, culture, you know, want to. Mm-hmm. 
But I think the more we go on with this stuff and the less manpower you're getting. It gets hard to hold on to that rope. Yeah, sometimes that's like, oh, keep keep fighting, keep fighting. You mm-hmm. might win this game. And it's like you don't you don't win that game. And then it's like, keep fighting. It's like, well, we lost the last game. You saw, that lost against, the- you saw that against Milwaukee and Cleveland. They were like, we're trying. Yeah. We're trying. <laughs> that's just not going. It was like watching it was if you ever participated in an assembly in middle school, it was like seven eighth grade football players feeling like they could take on the five adult males in tug of war and the five adult males just like, yo, no, (laughs) not you pubescent little dweebs yet. And that's kind of what it feels like from time to time right now, especially against teams like Cleveland. Yeah. There's a lot of that. I I have a ton of trade questions in here and I kind of want to package these up. Yeah. Let's, let's go through them. Sorry. Oh, no, 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 you're fine. Um, I just started kind of digging through them and the, a lot of like a consolidation, a consolidation. I don't think that, that the trade that the Blazers are going to make, there's, there's one trade on the horizon that to me would actually shift where this team stands as opposed to just balancing the roster or getting things done. And that is Miles Turner. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's not a secret, like of a stretch big who protects the rim is mobile enough to play in multiple defensive coverages and, as, and gives consistent effort. Yep. Miles is playing really well right now for the Pacers, and I hate it <laughs> because he's the Pacers are driving the price up. They are driving that price through the roof. There are some red flags around Miles. I'm not going to go into it's not him particularly just like stuff around him that I don't particularly like, but it is what it is. It is a better problem to have than a player that doesn't fit. Well, he's also an expiring contract. Yes, the Pacers are going to move him. Yes. Like it's going to happen. They are not going to let Kevin Pritchard is not going to let him walk. I am willing to stake a sizable amount of money for anybody that wants to bet against that. Please let me know. DM me. <laughs> Miles Turner is going to get traded. What it ends up costing, I don't know. Like, would Keon Nurk in a first, would that end up being, was that enough to start the year? I, I probably would have been like, that feels about right. Now you're like, what else is thrown in there? You start wondering like how how much how much more does a, how desperate does a Lakers team get? How desperate <sighs> do, they, do they give up both first? Dude, if I'm the Lakers, you can't make that trade. Yeah, listen, if I'm the Blazers, so you hope the Lakers can't make that trade. I yeah, I mean that's obviously the team in the way, but I mean I love Miles Turner. I I don't even care that he's an expiring. I understand you're sacrificing some talent for basically a rental unless the dude somehow falls in love with Portland, Oregon, which who knows? I can't imagine he's going to want to stay here long-term, right? So are you sacrificing some things for a short-term return? Yeah, but you're getting a better player in return. You're getting a a guy that kind of fits what they do stylistically and makes a lot of sense with the guys on this roster. So I'd like him to shake it up. And who knows, man, like maybe Portland could sell him on staying and re-signing here. I don't know what their cap situation would be. I'm not always the most up-to-date on the numbers part of that. But if if you could have an opportunity to sway him, Ant, Dame, getting him the rock, letting him get his, showing him massive amounts of love, Joe, Chauncey, kind of showing him what the culture and the environment's like. like That's what you're hoping the payoff is. That that's the payoff, isn't it? Like that's the only reason you make that move. Otherwise, it's just a short term rental that I I don't think it really changes your season. Unfortunately, that, not only that they're not making that move for not not only Miles Turner but any player on an expiring deal. Without, Unless they get that wink and a nod. Yeah, 
They're, they're just not. There's a Jeremy Grant situation looming. Yeah, very much. I, I guess I shouldn't nod so much because that doesn't play nearly as well on the podcast version of this. Are there are people that literally just listen to the podcast like, why is it going quiet? Yeah, he's, all you hear is aggressive wind as it blows towards the mic. <laughs> Cooper asks, would you, how would you feel about Jakob as in Jakob Pertle? Pertle's, I think, another guy that's on that list. He's also, What's Pertle's asking price? I can't, com- I can't wrap my brain around that. It's cheaper. Here's the thing. If you look at the Spurs books, Spurs don't have anybody on the books where a use of Nurkic actually might be valuable to them to have a contract of 16 to $18 million on the books. Sure. Cause and he also doesn't, he doesn't change their status either of no. what they want to do. No. And I mean, would it be the worst thing in the world if you had Wemby and Nurk? Hmm. No, no, I don't think so. Anybody with Wemby is not the worst thing. Yeah. Uh, Kirk's asking about John Collins. I like John Collins. Um, but the problem or the, the, the thing at the thing at hand here with, as far as the money is concerned was basically it was going to be Grant or Collins. Yeah. The only other guy you were going to, you were going to work in there was OG because his mm-hmm. part of, and the part of the reason that was going to work is OG's contract is Mwah! in other words, his agent did not do him any favors <laughs> yeah. and he has a declining value contract, very similar to Aaron Gordon's. And that's again, why you're, Another reason why I wanted a guy like Aaron Gordon for years was because of the contract situation skills, and now he's been fantastic for the Nuggets. Uh, but I, I, I quit. I digress. Good to go. Do you do you think I, I saw this? I think I want to I want to give credit to it. Uh, I think Nate tweeted it out about AG, mm-hmm. and I want to say it was Andy Kwok had responded. A guy that's you know covered the Blazers and he's, he loves basketball, mm-hmm. and I think he had said something effective like he doesn't think AG would work. With Nurk, and I, I don't even know if the concern really is. About I don't, that, I don't given... think the Blazers would care. Well, I, 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 that's kind of what I was, yeah, getting at. Is yeah, listen, it, if the is if is the option to have six foot eight and six foot eight and a half, Jeremy Grant and Aaron Gordon on the floor, or to have one of those guys and Yusuf Nurkic on the floor, or to have them both on the floor and Yusuf Nurkic right. on the floor, I don't think they care right. because the Gordon is Gordon Grant are both so bleeping strong. You want the asset. Yeah. And not just that. I just, you look at today's NBA, having more six, eight, six, nine dudes who can cover multiple positions from one through four and a half. Like Gordon can take on pretty much any big in the league, not named Aiton Embiid Jokic. Like that's, he's, he is so strong. Right. Same with Jeremy. Jeremy is incredibly strong. He is wiry strong, man. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the only guy I, I, I think in the wing groups that bothers Jeremy is Giannis who bothers everybody, Luca who bothers everybody and Braun when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. Like that's the list of like hyper wings that can uproot guys no matter what you do. But um, I, I think if the Blazers could get a guy like Gordon right now, they would. Um, the fact that they couldn't and instead went for Covington and on two firsts, you know, not great, but we're not gonna we're not gonna beat that up. Um, here's a, a particular trade question uh, from R at at Rizzy two eighty. Twenty games in, would you trade Little and Sharp for OG and Anobi if available? For no. Those wondering on the podcast version, Brandon is shaking his head egregiously. Why, Brandon? Because you don't want to trade Baby Kobe. Baby Kobe. I hope Zach Lowe starts calling him Baby Kobe now. Uh, um, shout out to Lamar Hurd who who, who gave you a little bit of love on the podcast. I did have somebody go, yo, he couldn't finish your last name, huh? (laughs) (laughs) And I went, you know what? I kind of thought that. He said my name, and then he just stopped. But I appreciated the shout-out nonetheless. Uh, Didn't want to be too associated with you. 
he, I think he made me almost like not real by saying who I was. He's like, I know a guy in Portland media named Brandon. And it's like, well, now that's his way to say baby Kobe without, Hey, it's not me. It's the guy in Portland. Guy Brandon. in Portland. Yeah, listen, uh, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's a veteran move by Lamar. It's it a veteran was, it move. Was. It was, but I loved it nonetheless. Um, OG is a great player. If Shaden becomes what OG is, I'll be ecstatic. But I, there's a possibility he could be better. And so, like... The boat of the mystery box. You cannot... Yeah, I mean, like, there's a $1,000 prize right there, but the mystery box could be $3,000. And I want $3,000. I want a boat. I want a boat. And I want to pay taxes on that boat. So, <laughs> to answer that question, uh, no, I would not make that trade. I, I wouldn't either. Um, the more that I've seen of... Because the question was, coming into that draft, was like, what the hell is Shaden? Sure. How, and how far away is he? Yeah. Until the Blazers fully commit, like what? It, Little and Nurk for something back. I think that makes more sense for the Blazers, but considering the CEO just signed a contract that's going to make him incredibly valuable outside of his production for a long time. All, all it needs, all you, all Nasir needs is a little upswing and he becomes one of the most valuable players in the league on a contract to production ratio. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I don't think people truly understand that. So I, I don't, I don't mean to say like that as a throwaway of Nasir, but I think that's going to be a question is if, things don't go well with the Raptors or if OG does force his way out, are the Blazers going to pursue that again? Calling back to when we had Joe on the show, he seemed very content to live with them operating in two timelines. That whole idea of it's reckless to do so, but we're going to do it. And this is how we're going to manage it until they make a move that kind of pegs the needle one way or the other on those timelines. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can make any part of that really, you can, I don't think you can square any part of that yet. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes, as far it as makes an prime guy. I mean, I talked to Bobby Marks a couple weeks ago and he had basically alluded to the timeline thing and he said, Portland's doing it. I mean, it's hard to do what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they've done it successfully so far, albeit early is it's a testament to them. Now, how you balance what you build going forward, whether that's with youth or win now, I mean, those questions are kind of, as long as Damon and are your backcourt, it's going to be both timelines. Yeah, that you're always dealing with the both timelines thing, and so until we get to a point where maybe Dame's the sizzled, you know, grizzled vet who isn't quite Dame once what he was, and Ant's kind of maybe stepped up to a bigger role. Even um, until you get to that point, it's kind of what you're doing is you're playing this balancing act. I, I, I'd have to think about the numbers here, and and you could probably think about this out loud. So numbers wise, cause Joe's alluded to having flexibility financially. That that's a really important thing for them. We know Grant's getting the bag. We yes. know Jeremy Grant is going to get. Paid. Yes. They, they are going to be a tax paying team next year. Like that's okay. That's going to happen. Boring yeah. a seismic shift in the way their money is allocated. Okay. Then you answer my question for me. Cause I, I was trying to think about where Jeremy's contract would put them. Yeah. No, that's the thing is, because I, I imagine Jeremy's going to go around 27, as I think was where he's going to end up. Sounds about right. Four years, 27 a year, I think is what the average annual value is going to work out to. I think that's yeah. ultimately where 27 to 28. I can't remember the math on it. Um, 
they're if they moved Nurk for an expiring deal, like either a Jakob Pertl or a Miles Turner, that center is going to get paid. Mm-hmm. Pertl, I think, would end up being a little bit cheaper than Nurk in the long run. I think you're probably looking at an average annual value of like 15 years. I think Turner's probably closer to 20, maybe a little bit more than Nurk. He's younger and skill set probably makes a little bit more sense. Um, but they're going to be they're going to have like 120 million tied up between Dame, Ant, Grant, and their center. Mm-hmm. Like I just. By the, the way, I'd be really happy. I'd be actually. Turner is a better player, certainly. But I'd be really, I'd be happy with Pirtle. Pirtle's fine. If they pivoted out of Nurk and they go Pirtle, I, yeah. I'd be happy with that. I, I think so too. I think you need to get you need, you need to find a stretch big to make it make sense. I I do agree with that. Yeah, but because I think Pirtle's an eighty-two game guy. I don't know if he's necessarily a, a sixteen game guy in the playoffs. But I, I don't think you're necessarily fighting about that just yet. You want somebody to get you through a regular season, which I don't know if Nurk is that guy anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Mike Dennis at Banker Mike seven four seven. Dame played as a rookie and became a key component. Why not make that same investment with Sharp? The dude is special. I'll I'll go quick on this one. Sure. Um, you don't play him because you aren't handing the keys of the franchise to a nineteen year old unless they are Zion or Jaw. You're just not doing that. Mm-hmm. Dame was not handed the. Dame was handed the franchise keys after a four-year college run in which he was, I think people tend to forget that he was the highest scoring player in college. He averaged nearly 30 a game in college. He was the best pick-and-roll point guard to come out of the draft since Chris Paul. He has been the best scoring pick-and-roll guard in the NBA in his career. Mm -hmm. Shaden is not that. Also, Shaden, or Dame went to a team that had a gaping hole yeah. at the point guard spot. It was lit. I mean, it wasn't literally their only cause their bench was always a little susceptible, but it was one, it was one, one a, right. It was like, yo, if we get this spot, we've got four other dudes here. <laughs> Taylor fit for you, buddy. And they found the right dude. And yeah. off we went. I mean, Wes Matthews, Nick Patum, LaMarcus Aldridge, and then adding Rodham Lopez to that Rolo. Yeah. Like once they got that crew together, it was very good. Mm-hmm. Who's very, very good. Leaning into that, that is kind of where they, they don't have that ability. They're trying to get better now, too. They yeah. are they're in a more advanced stage right now than they were when Damian Lillard was drafted. They're two or three years further down the line. Yep. And that prohibits getting Shaden out there that much. That's kind of where they go. Um, Daniels says play more Walker. I had heard that Walker was getting more run and shoot arounds and workouts and stuff like that and some practices. I'm a little surprised that they didn't go to him, specifically in in situations where the Blazers were losing rebound battles. So a little a little. What do you think what hesitation is on him, on his minutes? Because I, I, I'm with you on the last game. You had kind of mentioned it, and I'm, I'm sitting there going, like, let's do it. Get him and six minutes little, kind of a deal, yeah. Yeah, like I'm a little baffled we're not just giving him, like, yo, we're pretty thin here. We we could see – let's see what you can do. I'm a surprise they haven't, but until they cut down either Eubanks or Nurk's minutes, because they're giving trend in uh, minutes at the four, which is how they're kind of spelling Jeremy because, God – Jeremy's playing. Jeremy I'm worried Josh, about his minutes. Yeah. They're playing too many minutes. Yeah, I, um, I, I'm deathly afraid of their minutes. 
Ant's playing 36, Jeremy's playing 36, Hart's playing 36. Well, by the way, it's not just the minutes I'm worried about with with Josh and Jeremy. Um, it feels like Chauncey. Chauncey going a little Terry on us here. It's weird how uh, when winning becomes uh, a little premium, you, you start, don't want to trust start, as much young. You, you don't <laughs> trust quite as young. It's weird how that happens. Just mm. saying. Every coach is the same when this happens. I know. And I'm not I, – look, I'm not saying it's the right move, by the way. I want Jabari to play. I just it, – it is funny, like, Portland would get a – yeah, Gary Trent before he became kind of Gary Trent. Like, Why did Terry play Gary Trent, man? And it's like, Because well, well. they're trying to win. Because <laughs> he's got to win or he's going to get his ass fired. Yeah, and I don't think it's the case with, with Chauncey here. And, and I don't I don't think it's necessarily a case of Chauncey not believing in Jabari. I just think that there's four guys in front of Jabari. Yeah. And you can't add another – because think about that. You have Nurk, you have uh, Eubanks, you have Watford right out of mm-hmm. the gate. Those mm-hmm. three guys are – There's you can say there's – okay, and Grant. Okay, there's your your four front court players. There's 96 minutes to get between them. 48 minutes each each spot. Right now, Jeremy's playing 36, mm-hmm. right? So that's 60 minutes, Okay. Let's do the math here. Yusuf Nurkic is playing 29. That leaves 31 minutes between Eubanks and Watford. And conveniently enough, Watford is playing 16. Eubanks is playing 18. Yep. That's the question. So who would you cut? Who would you cut down? I'd cut Nurk's minutes down. See, I kind of would too. I and I, I don't mean that to suggest anything negative towards Nurk. I actually I think he'd be. <laughs> um. Oh dear. Oh dear. <laughs> I feel like you just need to hug Yusuf Nurkic. I think one day you just need to walk up to the big Bosnian bear and put your arms around him and he'll like. Listen, I man, you. I like I him. You, I like him as a dude, and I even like oh, him as a player. I know. I look. I, I none of this should be taken personal. They do, and I get it because. Nobody likes to be criticized no. in life in general, but I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I think he's more productive when he plays less. Yes, because he he gets gassed. He's seven foot three he pounds. Absolutely and he, gets gassed, and he he's he's kind of a burst player. Yeah, I had somebody text me today that that Nurk's minutes need to come down, flat out. Just needs to yeah. play less, and it's not a he's not good enough to play minutes. He's just not capable of playing those minutes. He has never been a guy who can play 30-plus. Was it Mike Barrett? No. Kevin Calabro. <laughs> tell me who texts you. I will tell you after the show. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, like, dogging him for 36, would Nurk would be amazing if we could turn off fatigue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because when he gets tired, he gets lazy. When he gets lazy, he gets sloppy. If we could video game this and turn off fatigue, that's yeah. hilarious. I mean, seriously, or turn his stamina up to 99, man. Yeah. Because here's the thing, like, with with Jokic. Jokic is a guy who all the floppy, flaily, flabbiness and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. even then, with the Nuggets, Jokic has, has been a machine. He is He is an engine that never stops, and he has significantly more responsibility and usage than Yusuf Nurkic has ever had. And it seemingly Jokic just figures it out. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. Like Luca, Luca plays through NBA seasons completely out of shape. They just have different motors than every other human on this planet. Nurk just does not possess that motor, and it's not a shot at him because 
Jokic and Luka are two guys who just have that. It's like Steph Curry being able to run off the ball as much. Hell, mm-hmm. CJ. CJ ran off the ball almost every year more than every other player in the league. It is an innate skill. It is an ability. Yes, it is. And most bigs do not have it, particularly yeah. when they get that big. The only true dominant holy shit big in the modern NBA world who had that motor, who could play those many minutes with that much responsibility is Shaquille O'Neal. That's the list. Yeah. That was truly enormous. Well, and that's, I mean, that's such an anomaly in life. I mean, <laughs> it's yeah, only one Shaq. You see him beat. He's, oh, oh, yeah. Oh, he's huffing and puffing. Now he plays the minutes, but you can see when he gets tired. Like it's, it's a real thing. So it's just, it is kind of what it is. You can't, you can't just kind of add that to him. Your next four. So you get tomorrow off coming back from your trip. Wasn't the greatest trip. Clippers, Lakers, Pacers, and who is the fourth one? I just Clippers, had it here a second. Clippers, Lakers, Jazz, Pacers. Jazz. Okay, so you know, a little two-game I, road trip uh, Wednesday to Saturday. Right, right, right. Yeah, sorry. I didn't mean to say all were at home. But you come home, you play the Clippers, and you go on the road very quickly. Should be noted, by the way, during the pod, I just noted, I just saw this. Dallas, right? We're panicking here in Portland because they've lost some. Dallas is under 500 now. Yeah, like, they, they can't keep it going right now. No, they can't. Last and look, Utah, they were getting handled by the Bucks. Y- Utah is falling down. Like, guys, I-, I think the other part of this is the West. You the know, crunch Memphis, is happening. The crunch is happening to a lot of teams, and Portland is one of those teams. But luckily for Portland, it's happening to seemingly every team. And so Portland isn't – they're not losing too much ground. Now, I you might not compete with some of these teams who will figure it out, but uh, just wanted to point out – the next four games are what for Portland? Because L.A., L.A., Utah, Indiana, home road split. I, I'm very curious, man. I'm not saying anything in the next four proves anything on your season. I just, I'm really interested to see where it takes them as they continue to buy time waiting for Dame, waiting for GP2, and and just continue to evaluate the roster as we get closer and closer to trading people. They should probably go 3-1 and one in that stretch. I kind of feel like the same. I feel the same way. The way they play, I feel like the same way. I feel like Clippers with no Kawhi, no PG, and we'll see if they. Clippers play. been beat they... to hell. I mean, Zubac had like a 30-37 block game, but phenomenal I mean, day. Yeah, but the Clippers aren't all that special, and the Lakers are not good, and Utah no. is kind of coming down earth, and Indiana's off. So, yeah. I'm kind of with you. I think three and one here, you can right the ship a little bit, make yourself feel better. Like fourteen I, I and ten looks pretty good through twenty four, man. You're damn right it does. You're damn right 14 and 10 makes you feel a whole hell of a lot different than what many might have thought going into this. You could be 10 and 14 in that spot. Yeah. And that's the thing is, we, we talked about this so much, like where we were going to figure out where where do the Blazers stand? Where are they now? 20 games in. Ladies and gentlemen, the Blazers are essentially a quarter of the way through the season. Mm-hmm. If the season ended today, like if you kind of projected it out, 44 wins. There you go. I still expect some of that to come down, but I don't. I think we're talking a couple game difference there. You know what I mean? So maybe they get to forty four. But I think they're going to pick some on the back end. They're going to go through a tough stretch here for the next month, and this is why sure. I always said get through Christmas at at, at or above five hundred. Mm-hmm. But the back end of that schedule, if they are healthy, they should feast. In any games that they give up here in the next month, they should get back and then some. Post so you're. Week. 
your last like 10 games, Golden State's your last game, mm-hmm. Clippers, Spurs. I mean, Spurs will be over by that point. Yes. Memphis might have things locked up at a certain seed, but we'll see. Kings twice, eh. New Orleans, Oklahoma City, Chicago, who is pulling the plug, and Utah is going to be awful by March. Yeah. So, you know, you end with a possibility of feeling good about yourself. Yes. And then you got some other games sprinkled along yeah. the way. No, and I, again, that's why I think that's where they ultimately end up is in that spot of like 44 wins. Um, one last question I think we should get. I think it's a good idea of as far as framing. Sure. This is from Rip, uh, Rip City Squid at Rip City Squid. Now that we have some sample size, what position type of player do we need to look for in trades come deadline time? What are what are the needs that you think this team needs to address? In general? Uh, I, I would like to upgrade the big spot if you could. I think mm-hmm. that's a fairly obvious thing to say. And So put Miles yeah. Turner and, and Jakob Pertl's names up on the board. Yeah, I mean that... There you go. I have them up there. Um, and I, to me, I know we all want this, like, you know, glorious three that we go, oh, we found him. We finally found our small forward that I, I, I want that. I don't think it's realistic to get both. So I think the big spots have to be up there. And I think you need a bench guy. You need a bench guy in the worst of ways. Who is that? That's a tough thing to gauge right now. But, like, my two biggest needs for them are a big – and a bench bro. Those are your two biggest things for me. Okay. Uh, I'm with you there. I can see you could throw Bomba on that list if they went back to that well. I don't I don't think that they're they're thrilled with him with the other stuff, but sure. basketball-wise, he's been tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Markin and Vanderbilt are both guys that you add to that list as far as guys Portland would like to have. I only worry about Vanderbilt. I love him in Portland. I worry about what Danny's price is going to be for that. Danny's price for any of those guys is going to stupid. It's not great, but they keep losing. It's going to a lot of that stuff's going to come down because it's not going to be like, oh, they're the toast of the town, Utah. Yeah, how story. how long can you hold on? Right, kind of a right. deal. Um, what's, your, what's yours? What's my price for those guys? No, what's who are what is your ideal look? Because I just I don't see us getting that three that everybody wants. I think you, you can upgrade. I, your big I think spot. I think Vando is is a is a gettable dude at that point in time. Yeah. Um, I the, the team that I'm kind of looking at pilfering is a team that I'm always looking at pilfering, and that's Orlando. Mm-hmm. Like John Hammond has his types down there for sure. Um. I think I'd like to see a guy like a like if he once he gets healthy is like a, a not a, a Mo Wagner, not a Franz Wagner, uh, unfortunately, because Franz is, is absolutely balling. Mm-hmm. But I can see the Blazers looking at that. I can see the Blazers looking at a guy like Mo Bamba. Um, I, I don't think the Blazers are looking at a guy like Bol Bol. I just don't think that's kind of what they're really looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, the three spot is when it gets a little little weirder because there's just such a shortage of people out there um i floated the idea of, of kuzma before because he makes sense salary wise but i think he needs the ball a little bit more i don't know if that's necessarily a right the right fit yeah um and he's more four than he is three but i wouldn't be uh actually someone just mentioned it in the chat daniel gafford is a big with uh washington is another guy who i could see sure um 
being a potential guy that should go after? Um, do they look at a young guy like a Corey Kispert who can shoot the living hell out of the ball in Washington? Uh, plays well defensively. I don't think that Avdia is somebody that they're that they're willing to give up on in Washington. But that's like I think it's kind of like what you're preying on, you know, mm-hmm. is I mean, do you give up one of your young prospects and Nurk and a pick for Gafford and Avdia? You know, it, to get younger, longer, more athletic, get a little more defensive. Like I I don't know. Does the, where where does that kind of put you? Um, I've asked around about Jonathan Isaac before. I don't think because his, his medical stuff has just so been so bad. I don't Mm -hmm. think that anybody's looking around there. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, it's at the medical stuff. And then I just think some teams because of off court stuff, you know, for whatever, it's just not going to fit. Yeah. It's kind of what it feels like. Can I ask you a, a, maybe a dumb question? I'm more wondering, because I think this team is eventually going to sell. Is Chicago at all looking at a market for Patrick Williams or no? Because he's too young. I mean, if they give him up, they're going to want something grand in return. That I kind of assumed it because six foot nine dude who can kind of do everything. (laughs) Yeah, like everybody's kind of waiting for him to pop. He's another one of those Florida State guys. Like, is he Jonathan Isaac? Is he Scotty Barnes? Like, that's kind of why the Blazers were like, let's look at John Butler. Like, let's go to the mutant lab at Florida State, sure, and see what we got down there. Like, let's put it in an incubator and see what happens. So. Um, I, I know a lot of people in Chicago who are really high on P will, um, how much that shakes out. But again, like those are the kind of guys that the Blazers, I think they need more of the, the bigger versions of justice Winslow, the Jeremy grants of the world, the bigger Josh, Josh hearts, because you look at the teams that have really bothered Portland and it has been teams with size, man. Yep. I mean, the nets beat them today. And the biggest part of that for me was them just losing track of Seth Curry far too often shot them out of that game. But more than that, the Blazers could not get comfortable offensively because the Nets attacked them defensively, but they attacked them with size and length. They attacked them with, I mean, Ben Simmons is back to looking like the best defender in the world again. You know where he got his confidence too. What game in Portland. Was. Yeah. It was I, I had, game. I had Nick Friedle sitting back behind me and I yeah. three quarters away through that game. I go, has Ben looked like this at all to you in the last year? And he's, no, God knows the best I've seen him look. And I was like, no, awesome. Great timing for this. But like the, the whole idea of what Ben Simmons is, is a pace pushing rim, finishing perimeter defending monster. And yeah. the Blazers, like realistically, it's the perfect player that they need is another guy to handle the ball, get downhill, provide rim pressure and be a defensive stopper all over the floor. I mean, the, Switch, pre-switch, help, recover between KD, Ben, Claxton, and Royce O'Neal was terrifying today. And yeah. it covers up for a lot of sins that the other guys like a Seth Curry or Kyrie Irving can't make up for. So, um, I think we're going to wrap it up there because we're just we're just short, shy of an hour. Um, yep. We got a ton of questions in. Thank you guys so very much. Like, rate, review, subscribe. Help us grow the show if you're watching here on the replay. Uh, or you're watching live, please like uh, the channel here on YouTube. Share us with your friends. Share us with your family. Uh, give the gift of Jack Ramsey's this year. I don't know. We'll box it up and give you a, a multi-episode set to give to your friends and family for Christmas. He's a cardboard. I got yeah. you a Jack Ramsey's subscription. There you go. Yeah. yeah I love it. You can. You, it's, it's good for Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, Christmas, whatever holiday you want it to be good for. 
Can we uh can we get it on a gift card and put it in Target and put it right next to like the Outback Steakhouse? Yeah, we should. We should do some cameo stuff around it too. We'll we'll give you a customized greeting behind it. Our OnlyFans, <laughs> Only Dan's, our Only Dan's. We yes. do Blazer Breakdown with our feet at the camera. Oh, feet pics right <laughs> out of the gate. Yeah, I mean, come on, you got to get them going. And we're gonna be we're gonna have our camera set up at 1080 here very soon. So yeah, we are. Um, again, thank you guys so, so very much. We appreciate you. Uh, you can find us on social media at Danny Barang, at Brandon Sprague, at Jack Ramsey. You can email the show, jackramseys at gmail.com. You can find Brandon every morning, 6 to 9, on 10 of the Fan with his co-host, Andy Dirt Johnson, who I'm sure will be thrilled tomorrow morning on the radio. Tomorrow will be a fun one. Please tune in tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow will be a really fun one. <laughs> Let me tell and you right now, And then 6 don't worry, because from 12 to 3, they'll carry over the Beaver talk, and then Danny's going to let you know what Pac-12 team is probably going to the playoffs. <laughs> Six to nine and nine to three or nine or noon to three tomorrow. There won't be a lot of duck coverage. Let me tell you that. <laughs> the official station, the duck, is going to be playing Oregon State and USC fight songs oh, on repeat man. for a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> that was a fun game. That's all I got to say, duck fan. That was a fun game. Uh, it was it not was for you, funny, but for me. But, but specifically for Brandon and all Beaver fans. Yeah. Uh, and again, you can find me noon to three with my co-host Dusty Hera. Uh, the uh, Ducks pregame co-host Dusty Hera from noon to two three tomorrow. It will be uh, it's going to be a fun show. I, I know that for sure. Uh, <laughs> everybody have a wonderful, wonderful night. Take care. Talk soon, and uh, we'll catch you for the. Uh When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.